la 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 la. Welcome to the e-commerce marketing society podcast, a podcast for women who want to grow their online store or e-commerce brand by improving their marketing. I'm your host, Lisa Byrne, an e-commerce marketing coach for women with 20 years of marketing experience under my belt. I help women increase sales and decrease stress by helping them focus on the right things instead of doing all the things. As well as hearing from me, I gather my favorite women in e-commerce to share their stories of growth and expertise because we all know it takes a village to grow a successful business. Welcome to the society. Let's get focused and have some fun. Welcome to episode 55. It is so good to be back in your ears. And today I've got a wonderful Australian businesswoman who is doing such incredible things for her niche and her online community. And I can't wait to share the chat with you today. It is Bridie Stewart, the founder of Mary Maker Studio. And Bridie is the type of brand founder that has this unique X factor because I watch a lot of businesses and brands online and I talk to them and I help them. And sometimes you meet a founder that draws you in and sparks your interest and makes you want to keep watching and finding out more about them and their products because they have such a a love and a passion for what they do. And they do it with confidence and with flair and with something a little bit different. And Bridie is that founder. So we chat about her business journey to date, how to stand out in a saturated market, how to stay really, really in touch with your customer as you scale and as you grow and get bigger, and also how to tap into Instagram and embrace marketing and video and all the challenges and the triumphs in in between. So it's a wonderful chat with Bridie today. Go and check her out and I hope you enjoy it. Hey Bridie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yay. It's been a long time coming. We've been back and forth on DMs because I have followed you probably for maybe a good couple of years and I've loved your brand and your product and you as the brand founder. So I just had to have you on the podcast to chat to you. So welcome. I would, yeah, why don't you introduce yourself to the listeners? Well, thank you for having me again. Uh, my name is Bridie Stewart and I am the founder and curious creative, I like to say, behind Mary Maker Studio. So Mary Maker is a modern craft supply store, which is primarily for fibre artists. So think weaving, knitting, crochet, macrame, but supplies you actually want to use not boring outdated ones that you may see in big brand stores yes I think boring is one word that would be never used to describe your brand I've got your website open here and your incredible hand-painted cotton string is like the first thing that my eye goes to it's incredible why don't you tell us a little bit about that and how maybe your products have evolved Thank you for that beautiful comment. Um, So the hand-painted string was really an idea of mine that I just had within me that I wanted to pursue. We all have that one dream and it sat with me for a while. I was told so many no's 
And finally, we had a yes. It was a product we had in production doing R&D for around 12 months. So basically what this is for people listening is instead of having one colour wool or string or rope, I actually work with a team of artisans in India to hand paint a, a continuous line of string for this one product. So it can be used within the creations to to really create a really flawless and feminine um, use of colour. And the way that it's represented in the client's work is really um, elegant. Rather than being so stark and bold, Mm -hmm. it's a really beautiful way to introduce colour. So this is a product um, that I've now had in store for two years. And as you've probably seen, I just did another release last week and lots of it did sell out just via my email list. Wow. Which is very wonderful to know. You know, I often say with business, having a great idea and you wanting to pursue a product or a passion is one thing, but having people actually purchase the product is another. So having my absolute passion for this product, because it's a world first, I couldn't even go to other supplies or manufacturers for an idea this is a direct from scratch so knowing that it's loved is really warming how does that feel to have created something that no one's done before that must feel pretty amazing it does it's also quite terrifying in the research and development phase because I put a lot of time and a lot of money into making these come to life I am an artist, so I was an art teacher when I started and I was a maker and I still make and I think I am still quite aligned with my customer. So I'm not removed from the brand or from my final, um, you know, the final purchaser. Quite often when I'm designing new products, I think imagine what would really elevate and heighten this work and what, what would I love to use and I just negate if it's, created or not I think what would that dream product Mm. be and then I look to my customers works and think oh would it suit their work and if there's a few yeses in there I'm just pretty head down bum up getting it made Um, because I don't see the idea that just because it hasn't been done um, doesn't mean you won't do it. Yes I think that's the difference between you know, an average person and an entrepreneur, um, they're, you know, they're, they're dogged in their pursuit of what it is that they want to create. And if you layer on top of that, being an artist as well, like that is a seriously potent combination, business-minded and creative. Like does your brain ever switch off? Typically no. <laughs> um, however, I'm okay with that because I thoroughly love every aspect of the business that I have created And I'm okay, even on my off days, I'm still thinking and looking at colour combinations as I'm at restaurant, looking at their menu, seeing how they're, you know, paired colours and looking at sunsets when I'm going for a walk to see combinations and, you know, textiles in fabrics when I'm shopping. So it doesn't switch off, but I'm okay with that. Yes, I can I can resonate with that. Whenever I'm watching ad- advertisements or I'm flicking through print, I'm like, oh, that that copies that's terrible. Or why did they position it like that? You know, you're constantly critiquing. But you know, if 
it's that old saying, if you can find, if you can make a living doing what you love, then you'll never work a day in your life. Does it, does that kind of feel like that for you? It really does. Um, I am an artist first and foremost, and I've just so luckily gone down into the designing and manufacturing of textiles. So this is my new art Mm. and I now create pieces of art beautiful textiles wool yarns and ropes for my community to go on and create their art so it's a beautiful circular business that's true and I love that you mentioned community and it's definitely a global community for you now isn't it like it's not a small hobbyist in Australia it's like I just noticed on your um, about me page that you started the macrame movement sorry macrame I'm probably not <laughs> pronouncing that right, the Instagram account, and that's like a global thing. And now your business is global too, right? It is. So when I first started doing macrame and weaving, I think it, was, it wasn't it was a saturated audience. So seven, eight years ago, there was only four or five of us online doing it, wow. and they weren't in my hometown. Surprise. So right from the get-go, I used Instagram as a way to reach and, you know, I wasn't selling supplies at this time. I just wanted to talk to people who liked what I liked, like-minded creatives who understood the beautiful process and why we did it. We do it to create stillness and to tap into those, you know, internal things in Mm -hmm. such a busy world. And it just grew and I started teaching workshops and then they grew and then the people who I taught workshops, well, then they taught workshops and the community started locally and now is global. I ship products all around the world. I've got suppliers around the world. Uh, We've got Facebook groups and Instagram pages of of beautiful like-minded makers who come together and connect because it is a niche industry. Not everyone likes it. And I don't, you know, that's cool. I don't like a lot of other people's industries. Mm. Uh, But when you are in the thick of it and you love it, you want to talk about it. So I've really helped evolve that collaborative community feel within the makers. Yes, and that shines through. Like I observe so many businesses online and, you know, from a distance or I know them personally and, and sometimes you come across brands that have a certain X factor and I'm, you know, from a marketer's point of view, because it's either about their product or it's about their brand or it's about the founder. And sometimes it's a mixture of all of those things. And I think that's what you've got. You know, you've, you clearly love what you do. Your brand is vibrant. It's fun. And you're at the front of your brand. Um, you know, your face has been there from the start and it's still there. And despite, you know, your business has probably grown so much over the years, but that seems to be a really important piece of the brand for you and the community that you're there, you know, doing your fabulous reels, which I really want to talk to you about. <laughs> um, but your marketing feels so genuine. And the fact that you have grown your community, you know, from the ground up and it started by just trying to find people you can chat to and connect to about, that's probably taught you so much about how you can then go and find your customers. Yeah, you're right. And thank you for those beautiful words. I think the part that really um, solidified my um, just connection and devotion to my community was the moment when I publicly said, I am an artist. I have 
got my business to here, making and designing artworks, tapestries to sell. But in order for me to grow my business, which is what I wanted to do, the supply side, I said, I need you to tag me in your works so we can grow this together. But at that point, I didn't think it was fair for me to continue selling my works. I said, look, I'm going to stop doing that. I don't want to be against you. I don't really morally think it was fair that I was creating products and selling them to my customer, but then also selling tapestries that were that was in direct competition with them. So I came out saying, you know, I'm not taking custom orders. I will lead people through to you, tag me in your products, in your designs. That'll show up on my feed. I'm dedicated to you and growing this community, not my own artistic, you know, practices, which was a lot for someone to do who is an artist and an art teacher. And I, you know, I've got a bachelor in fine arts, but I think when they saw that I was absolutely dedicated to growing their business rather than being a greedy guts, (laughs) taking it all, um, I felt confident uh, that we would grow it together. Yeah. So, would you think? Would you say that was like a pivotal part, a pivotal um, moment in the business journey for you? It definitely was. I needed to decide whether my brand moving forward would be me, Bridie, making tapestries to sell. And don't get me wrong, I was making beautiful works and selling them for big bucks. Yeah. And I loved it and I still love it. And I sometimes do commissions for collectors, but you'll never see it. I don't showcase that side of the business because that is not the business that I want moving forward. Um, It was a pivotal pivotal moment because it was where I really lent into, right, my future is designing fibres, textiles, and customers were more open with what they wanted because they knew that I wasn't up against them. So if I'm designing a new product now, I can reach out to them and say, hey, got an idea, what do you think? And they are so supportive and rallying with me. And I've got a little group that I quite often send ideas to. And when this product is launched, it is like, you know, I always say I'm birthing a baby when I Mm -hmm. give a new new product. They're with me on that. Mm -hmm. They're the proud aunties who are screaming it to the Mm -hmm. reader. Build a business where your customers will do your marketing for you. And it's not in a braggy manner. It's they're just so proud of what I'm now doing and vice versa. I'm proud to watch them evolve. And I'm absolutely honoured to see that so many of them started as a hobby and now they're, they're profitable makers who are earning more money in their side hustle than what they are working full-time in their job and they are loving every minute of it. Oh, that's so great. Um, that's so rewarding um, as a business person, a business owner yourself to then see that not only are they enjoying and, and you know, being probably more relaxed and more creative and fulfilled, they're more financially fulfilled as well, which is so cool. And I think, you know, the, the thing that you mentioned about um, building a brand that, you know, your customers will market for you, that's absolutely, you know, the end game really because no one can market your products better than yourself. 
um, but then your customers who already love you and want to rally behind you. And I think that's the dream for so many women that are starting out um, that may be like one to five years um, into their business journey and they're like, gosh, how do I find that community? How do I build it? And, you know, we all started from somewhere. So how did, I guess you started as a, as an Instagram account as as opposed to a business, but how did you, what happened in those early years to start, you know, turning it into a business? Like what was your marketing looking like at the start as to what it is now? It's such a different landscape to even think about because I started Mary Maker seven years ago. So um, in full transparency, I was a school teacher. I have a fine arts degree and a master's in education. And every day I would go to work and, you know, teach art to, to school kids and it was the those light bulb moments and seeing the joy when people lent into creativity that really lit me up Um, but then I got quite unwell and a a health diagnosis that made me make a decision Um, and I said you know I want to follow what I love in art rather than allowing you know the others to to live through me. Yes. Um, and so way back then I started the Instagram account just by posting daily and by connecting. Mm-hmm. You know, we say we want 10,000 followers, but we don't actually talk to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when your account is smaller, people are more invited to talk to you and mm-hmm. to, to have conversations and slide into those DMs. And I really lent into that starting earlier um, the power of conversation. Mm-hmm. People want to be seen and heard. And that's how I grew quite quickly in the early days by actually looking for community, but then acknowledging them through conversation. I find sometimes a smaller account is often better. With my account now that's grown quite a lot, a lot of people don't think that I'm behind it anymore, that I might have people running it or that I might not see it, or, you know, that I'm some big store that Mary Maker isn't even a person or a brand. It's just some big multi mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like people find greater connection uh, when they, you know, when they're, when they are visible. Yeah. And, and it is you in the DMs. Like I, I, it, it is you, right? Because I'm I chat yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it is me? It is you. I often wonder, gosh, she's she's so busy. She's got such a thriving business. How does she also reply to DMs? Do you think there'll be a point where you'll get someone to help you with that? Like no. No, that's, that's why <laughs> um, that's your baby. There's many things that in business you can outsource. Uh, I also need to know where my priorities lie. And quite often customers will send me uh, you know, messages of thanks. And that gets me through. So many people say in the DMs, I turned to weaving during COVID. It's how I got through or, you know, I'm a single mum. I've just been through PTSD. I just want to let you know what your techniques, your guides and your products have done for me. And that's something that I, like, that's personal. And yeah. I don't want anyone else to even see that. That's yeah. for me. That's not for my staff. I would rather outsource many other areas. Uh, but I feel like that is the point of contact with my customer 
that I always need to stay in front and aligned with my brand and the community moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. There's some things that you do want to just keep keep hold of and, and yeah, like you say, not outsource. Um, so what kind of things do you have in your marketing mix now? You're obviously great at Instagram. Tell us a little bit about your Reels journey. Like you're good at it. You're great at it. Did you, were you, when did you start getting into it? Was it a new thing for you or did you, did you jump on it straight away? I didn't jump on it straight away. And look, I sort of wish I did. And if you're listening to this, just do it, do it now. Um, We have so much ego based around, oh, but people think I'm an idiot. Like we put so much value on what we think other people will think of us. No one cares what we're doing. Like really, we think they do. No one cares what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And even that, no one's going to remember the video that you put on Instagram seven days ago. No one will. Don't worry. Get out there. I use reels. I was I'm ex-drama teacher, so I do love a little bit of playtime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm quite, I'm, yeah, I'm, we, we joke about like the dad joke. I'm absolutely the mum joke. I have a, like, we, yeah. I have a pretty wicked sense of humour and I am not afraid of looking dumb if it makes someone else happy, because I know I'm not dumb. I'm just bringing humour to the day. So I'm always poking fun at myself. And I think that's um, it's relatable because we always have those silly, funny moments that we giggle to ourselves. Well, I just put them on socials. (laughs) I totally Um, agree because you've got to have fun, right? If you take things too seriously, it just becomes boring and you resent it. Whereas if I say to people who write back to my reels, oh, you're so funny, I'm like, I'm not funny, I'm just being a dick. And, you know, yeah. <laughs> I like that. You know, it's a bit of yeah. and I silliness. If you make fun of yourself, it's hard to make fun of you. Mm. So, you know, if, if like, like with anything, if you point out where you've gone wrong in business, if you point out these things, it's hard for someone to come back and go, oh, but she's a dick. You're like, yeah, that's what I just showed you. Like, what else you got? Yeah. Um, but I find reels interesting. In my business, I have two that I like to do one is obviously to get more eyes and they're typically you know the trending audios the funnier ones um but the ones that get more eyes aren't always your target customer Mm -hmm. so just because you get I've got a couple of reels that have had millions of views but everyone's commenting on there what is this what it rarely translates into customers who are going to actually give you money so I always, you know, when I'm explaining it to my customers, is have a couple of like flows. I'll have my eyeballs mm-hmm. that I want everybody to see it. And then maybe following that, I'll do a little DIY. Mm-hmm. So people will come over to the page and then go, that's what you do with it. And that also nurtures my customer. It's not all about getting more followers, more views, more likes. It's also, as I was talking about the DMs, the customers that you have, How are you ensuring that they stay on your page? Once they're there, they can quite easily leave. Mm -hmm. How are you nurturing that customer so they actually want to see more from you? Totally. And that existing customer who already has bought from you is worth in terms of, you know, dollar value so much more than a new customer, like a new eyeball Um, because the investment in time and money to then 
you know, uh, nurture the new eyeball into being a, a loyal follower is a lot longer of a process. And there's, I think it was when you were talking about some of your new um, hand-painted cotton, cotton string, you were talking about how you developed it and why you developed it and the backstory. And that run really, you know, sticks in my mind because I got to know about you and your unique spin on the product. Thank you. Um, yeah, and I need to really do more of that. So thank you for highlighting that. <laughs> <laughs> I um, I often feel that, well, doesn't everyone know about this? And people don't. So we need to, you know, you'll hear the term, if you don't market your business, you won't have a business. Mm. It's It's not always the loudest voice wins, but we need to ensure that we're actually telling people to buy, mm-hmm. letting people know we have a product or service because, just because we told people two weeks ago, well, they what do they say? You scroll seven kilometres a day on your oh, phone. Oh, I did not know. I haven't heard that. That's interesting. Times that by two weeks, like you're long gone. That reel that you were really intimidated about posting, no one remembers it, nor do they remember that thing that you just released. So you need to be in people's mind and reaffirming why they should shop with you. Yeah, you need to sell. I'm always reminding my students, like, if they're overthinking things, if they're they're worried that they're going to spam, it's like, what are we here to do? We're not here to, like, play games. We're here to make money and sell. So put the offer out there. You know, if no one buys it, okay, let's try something else next time. And I always like to think of it as, you have a beautiful, well, you should if you're in business, you have a beautiful product or service, you know, you're actually giving them an incredible offer. If someone scrolls past a, a silly post, well, they're not your target customer. Mm. But for the other thousands of people that are, they're going to find that really valuable. And thinking about products or kits or things that I've designed and then having People come into my DMs saying, I've got a beginner's kit, which I only launched this year, which is nuts. (laughs) Um, But so many people have said that beginner's kit has changed the trajectory of my mental health. It's allowed me stillness. And these are lawyers and doctors and beauticians and people that aren't, you know, categorised as makers or Mm. creatives, but they've just found that and thought, I can do that. I need a little bit of you know, calm in yeah. my world. And if I didn't say this is what I'm selling, like, yeah, people are going to scroll past, but the pe- for the people that stop, you know, you're changing lives. Yeah, that's it. So that post or that reel or that email that you've been sitting on, get it out there um, because it could help, you know, it is going to help someone. You started your business, whatever your product is, to solve a problem. So just get it out there. Yep. So what I'll else? Heartedly agree. Yes. So what else does your your marketing mix look like now? I know you've you've tried a little bit of Pinterest marketing recently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have been diving into Pinterest marketing, and look, some people say I I have a funny perspective on a lot of things in business. Um, a lot of people say, well, Instagram, you've got to pay to play, and well, that's true, but it's also you know, we don't have to have a shop front. So think about what we would normally spend having a shop front, what, you know, 500 to $1,000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's for people to walk past that are in your local town. Mm. So we are reaching a global audience here. We 
we'll have to put ad spend behind things if we want to grow. Like our customers that are doing our marketing for us can only take us so far because they're in similar categories. So I am doing Pinterest ads currently, which is new to me. I'm actually in the middle, and we've discussed it before, of um, Katie Griffin's Google Ads course. Oh, yes. And I love her, her and Caitlin, on the meeting calls. Yeah, they're like, funny, oh, aren't I they? I just want to let you know how much I love you. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's true. So I do those things, and I'm pretty hard into email, and I love me. Some, e- some email. email segmenting, it's my jam. It's good fun, isn't it? When you get when nerdy. I Oh, look, for a woo-woo creative, you wouldn't think I love data like I love data, but it's there's such power in it and then learning how to use it and optimise your business around that, um, even seeing how many people viewed that product and then, who bought that product and then what you know what customer didn't buy that and then what they ended up going on to buy um, when I just did a release last week um, I sent it out to my email list first because some of these products like they are limited edition and people know if you want to get your hands on that you're going to be on my email list and I'm very strict with that um, because these products are made for them. Mm. And as people do enter through that email list, well, then they will become a part of that, you know, secret club. Yeah, <laughs> um, if there's a value but, in being on the list and you need to protect absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, looking at my stats from um, Shopify, 93% uh, were like, Returning customers. Oh my lord! From that email, so that just makes me like it gives me warmth. That look, and it's it's two edged. Like one, yes, they love my product, but two, these beautiful handmade routines and you know nights spent by the fire knotting and weaving are continuing. So it's not just yes, they still love me. It's yes, they still love themselves. They're still finding time for that. So that percentage is incredible. Um, and then even with a sale that I've actually got running right now, you know, times are tough. Anyone in business that says they're not at the moment is lying through their eyeballs. <laughs> um, like the price of cotton has gone up and I've kept that just to, you know, I've sort of kept that, you know, in-house currently the price of shipping has gone up. Shipping container from India normally costs eight thousand, and my last one cost twenty six. Oh, so all of these US, all of these things, I've really tried to just, um, you know, absorb. Stomach. Mm. Um, and I know prices will have to go up, and I'm panicking on how to do it. But if I want to continue to create and design products for my community, I'm going to have to have a pay rise. So the sale that I've got going on. I um I sent it to my email list and and then I put one little post up last night about it didn't hashtag did it secretly because I pretty much only want to offer that to my customers. Um, yeah. I don't want to spend all this ad spend on new customers who just want freebies and want yes. it cheaper because that's not my brand. Also, I've got designed bespoke limited edition products. 
Um, like I'm not spotlight. I don't have a thousand stores and can discount by 80%. I do small runs and they're really beautiful designer products. So well, some that, things I keep just for them. Yeah, and, you know, that's a great strategy to nurture and reward your loyalists. You could even do that and not not tell your public Instagram and, and be, that's totally fine. There's- yeah, well, I didn't even want to put it on socials and I might even take it down. It's funny, though, because <laughs> Instagram said whenever you write sale in a post, you know, your, your posts get sh- shadowed or hidden or whatever. Um, but Instagram said, do you want to boost this post? I'm like, no. No, thank you. <laughs> and it's not that I don't want the sales because that would be lovely, but I want them to come from people um, who know and love my business and are actually really thankful that I'm doing this, not a, you know, ducky dazzler bargain hunter yes. who, who looks for the cheapest and crappiest thing and just gets it and it, and it sits in their cupboard and they never even use it. That's yes. not what I'm going for. Yeah, there comes a point in your business once you've, like, be, been doing it for a while that you realise that there's a difference between a, a, a high-quality customer and like a low quality customer and those low quality customers was often you know complain ask for returns you know say that it hasn't been delivered or you know whinge about not getting a sale where the high quality customer you know buys more frequently buys higher value they love you so you may have less customers but they're, if they're higher quality that's that's going to save you time and you know money in the long run yeah and i think i've really nurtured the customer Everything that I question, I ask them about. Afterpay is a big one at the moment because Afterpay have 6% fee and now Shopify is putting 2% on top of that. Wowzers. So, yeah, it's just nuts and it's just it's just nuts. For a customer that might get 10% off an order, well, they think, well, that's a big saving. Well, Afterpay are now taking 8%. So realistically, if I could ditch Afterpay, I could offer them benefits and many of my customers say oh I only use afterpay in your store because the other store doesn't offer it if you didn't offer it well then I would have to you know shuffle it around so sometimes we need to have these conversations with our customers to see what their thought process is and then take and evaluate that and I think building this community from the ground up I've kept those communications open and when I do have to implement change, I do it with confidence, knowing that the ideas have come from the people who purchase. Amazing. Yeah, you've got, you've got a really strong, strong hold is probably not the right way to put it, but, yeah, clarity on your customer, what they think and feel and, and doing, and that's been able to shape the way you grow. And I love what you said before about how... Um, you know, you love the data and it's something I talk about a lot that when you when, once you understand what's going on under the hood, you can actually work less because you're making smarter decisions. And it probably sounds like just marketing, you know, speak to someone, but that is what you've been able to, to figure out, haven't you? That when you're looking at the, the numbers, seeing what people are opening and closing, I mean, I'm choosing, you can segment, you can do all sorts of things. So have you been able to like become more streamlined with your marketing? Absolutely. You need to, obviously you need, you know, top of funnel. You need Mm -hmm. sometimes to 
to just market what you have to everybody. But when you can learn how to niche and how to really target those valuable few people, um, it re- because that's the customer that you want. They're the clients that you want. Um, once you learn how to use that data and even their buying history, um, it's a great way to see how you can evolve businesses moving forward with confidence because you're looking at, at you know, segmented audience with great history. Mm-hmm. And even to the fact I segmented in um, two emails not that long ago and I, I find this so important for, for brands to do is I contacted my high touch point clients. So they've been with me for two or plus more years. They've spent this much money with me. They've ordered in, you know, this many orders. Um, they've opened emails and then I sent the opposite. So people who have been with me for a year, but have never purchased people, really um, different catalog of people. And then ask them, how can I help you further? Mm-hmm. What do you want to see from this brand? What do you enjoy on social media? And they told me what exactly they wanted from me. And it was a diverse range of things they wanted. The, the high touch point clients wanted more advice on branding and marketing and growing a small business and wow. being profitable and how to price your work and mentoring. And then the low touch point wants beginner guides slow videos and I need to stand back and go okay rather than just suiting everyone yeah let's nurture those top of funnel and then let's bring up and you know mold those people who want to become you know middle funnel yeah so don't be afraid to ask your customers questions I think people are are quite often very scared to do that um, because they don't want to bother them, the, you know, they 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 want, you know, they're treating them like they're far away people rather than yeah. humans. That if you were standing next to them in a coffee line, you'd probably ask them this question, like, "Oh, I see you've got my product. What did you think it is?" Da, da, da. Yeah, absolutely. When I do, I do an annual warehouse sale, and a it's to clear stock, but b it's to just meet everybody because I'm not, I'm online only. Um, ladies drove down from Cairns. So oh, my I'm gosh. In <laughs> so that's a long way. And I ended up shipping it back to her. I said, look, you cannot take this as your carry-on luggage. Um, but people just want to chat. And after the first warehouse sale, something, you know, because it, it wasn't about the number sold on the day. It was the conversations and the community. And I, I wrote down that I was going to start calling customers on a weekly basis so now on a Friday I'll call two customers who I've seen have purchased within the last 30 days and say hi it's Friday and like their time is valuable so is mine so I need to I start the conversation with hi it's Friday from Merrymaker I know you're busy I'm just wondering if you had a couple of minutes so that tells them that it's me hello but also this is just going to be a quick thing and then all of the time, oh, my God, I can't believe you're a real person. Oh, is that really you? You're not marketing. Um, and then I say, tell me what you love about them. You know, how how was the service? How was the shipping? X, X, Y, Z. And it's incredible because so many of them have told their friends, oh, my gosh, Brady called yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> as your celebrity. Um, That's so cool. Uh, 
Yeah. And all of them say they love their handwritten notes and I put Zappos in every order. I put lollies in every order. So they love the lollies. They love the handwritten notes. And it's that connection, that personal touch, whether it's in the DMs or it's in the orders or it's in that the email or it's anywhere, it's people want to know that they are giving their money to someone, um, where it's going, who that person is. Like people love my private, no, my my personal um, Instagram account is public because people love snooping there. They mm-hmm. don't follow me, but they, they like to click over and know that I've got a husband, that I've got two daughters, that, you know, they do this and they do that. They want to know more about you. And I totally understand that because I am the same. Yeah, you do. And especially for a female-founded Australian business as well, like you do want to support that person. And so many, you know, brand owners say to me, well, nobody wants to know about me. Why do I have to put myself out there? But it works. You know, if you want to build a community, it's probably the fastest way to do it be your authentic self and put yourself out there. It's for shy people and introverts. It's a really big barrier and I totally get that. But, you know, you can do it bit by bit. Absolutely. And just, you know, if you are worried about putting yourself out there, just think that people will skip it if they don't want to see it. Mm -hmm. And And if people don't align with your message, it's almost a good thing that you have amplified your voice quicker because you're not going to waste money on trying to get them to be a customer. You know, a smaller but more passionate audience is much better than a big account that's hollow. So true. You don't want to be wishy-washy. It's like that quote, um, you may not be everyone's cup of tea, but you're somebody's shot of whiskey. Like just (laughs) get straight to the point, you know? Yeah, and there's no, um, you know, I often talk to, you've got to build your community and you've got to build your audience and we realistically shouldn't be, you know, leaning on our next-door neighbour and the person down the road and all of our friends to be our followers, our likers and our commenters because they're not really going to buy from us. And really, you know, I've got um, one of my friends is a vet. Well, that's lovely, you're a vet, but I don't really care about, that it's not my zone of whatever just like fiber isn't yours so I don't expect her to follow me on socials because I don't want to follow her no but finding people who are your target audience like they will find their account and go wow I wish I knew about this earlier but we just didn't you know put ourselves out there so just get out there for the people that we don't resonate that don't resonate with us well then that's fine yeah don't worry about it yeah bye (laughs) bye Felicia Well, you have definitely found your audience and I can't wait to see what is next for your beautiful brand and amazing products. And I just love watching you online and thank you for being yourself and showing up and and sharing your colourful joy with the rest of us. Uh, Look, it's my absolute pleasure. And, you know, I am the queen of creative curiosity and I just say to people, you know, just because you don't paint or draw or knit or anything doesn't mean you won't in future. Some of my most dedicated customers have big fancy jobs. They're lawyers mm-hmm. and there's one's a surgeon and they, you know, one of them said, I did your pattern from your DIY and now I'm on Pinterest searching patterns. 
who even am I? Yeah, who am I? (laughs) We don't allow ourselves time to do new things and not just as a business, but as a person, we've got to keep evolving. So lean into that thing that you want to do, that sourdough baking or knitting or macrame or whatever it be, and just see the confidence you will give your internal self that you will take out into the world. And I'm here for it. (laughs) Yay. Go and play. (laughs) Absolutely. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. And yeah, um, if, if, someone wants to tap in and find that creativity, where can they find you and your products? So slide into the DMs. I am on Instagram. It's Merrymaker Studio everywhere, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube. On um, Instagram I have a start here highlight. So that's a good place for you to start where I talk through um, a a little way to get started. But um, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And I hope pleasure. I helped someone out there. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the E-Commerce Marketing Society podcast. If you want to keep getting juicy marketing goodness into your ears each week, hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and be sure to please leave a five-star review on iTunes so I can keep sharing all this good stuff with you. Until next time, keep taking those big or baby steps. I'm cheering you on every part of the way. Love, love, love.